I'm convinced that we don't even know what we need. We don't know what will make us happy. We don't know what will make us rejoice. But the, uh, the practices of Lent are about emptying the room and then allowing the spirit to, to refurnish it. And then when we see what, what it has done in us, then we rejoice. Hello and welcome to Season 2 of Chat CTK, a podcast exploring life and faith at Christ the King Catholic Church in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm your host, John Stotts, Director of Adult Faith Formation here at CTK. In Episode 1, I talk with Father Dexter Brewer about Lent. We discuss the purpose of our Lenten fast and how it all leads up to the Easter Triduum, and he shares some tips for anyone trying to decide what to give up for Lent. We also mentioned the upcoming Christ the King Lenten Retreat, facilitated by Father Dexter. It's in the church at 7 p.m. on Monday, February 26th, and Tuesday, February 27th. This retreat is hosted by the Women's Council and open to all parishioners. So we're here once again with Father Dexter. I think the last time we spoke was back in Advent. Um... And at the time of recording, we are on the eve of Lent, of the beginning of the Lenten season. So, uh, listeners, if you're hearing this, uh, you will have already entered into our great penitential season of, of fasting, prayer, and almsgiving. Um, maybe, maybe we can begin with what people see and feel when they walk in the church on Ash Wednesday. We talked a little bit back in Advent about what you, you hope people take away from the space, from the music during that season. Um, what are the similarities and differences be between Advent and Lent when it comes to how the church looks and feels, our liturgical practices, things like that? In December, you know, we were, we were talking about how uh, uh, we gradually uh, illuminated the church. You know, it, it was darker at the beginning of Advent, and mm -hmm. then as Christmas approached, we slowly uh, added more light uh, because can, that's what you're doing, you know, as you move toward Christmas, toward the light of the world, Christ who is born among us. Uh, during Lent, you know, it's something similar, but it's not with lighting so much as with the the space and the simplicity of the space. So... You're trying to create in the uh, in the worship space uh, the kind of desert experience that you that you're trying to appropriate within your heart, you mm -hmm. know, within your your life. And so everything in, in the church is simpler. They they generally aren't flowers unless it's some sort of major feast day, mm -hmm. and there are a few during Lent. Mm -hmm. um, the music itself is simpler. Um, generally, the church asks that. And it's not a hard and fast rule, but that there not be kind of concert-like things going on ah. during Lent, uh, during the liturgy any, anyway. Right. Um, so that music instruments are, are to accompany voices or, um, or groups or cries and so mm. So that's what we try to do. We try to, to simplify the liturgy itself. It is very simple liturgy. You know, you notice that Ash Wednesday, for example, tomorrow, <coughs> excuse me. Um, it is, there's a procession in, into the church, there is no penitential prayer, mm. penitential rite, um, and then you 
kind of move right into the opening prayer, you know. Yeah. A part of that is because the ashes themselves are the pentateroid. But but generally doing Lent, the liturgy, it seems simpler, and, and, it, and it ought to. Um, and that's what we try to create there. Hmm. Now you became Catholic in college, right? I was, uh-huh. Um, do you remember encountering Lent for the first time, whether it was during that time or before? Uh, what you made of the season and how you how you started practicing it as a young Catholic? I remember that Ash Wednesday, the first Ash Wednesday that I, you know, that I was aware of, you know, quite frankly, um, it was a very special day, mm. you know, and you, uh, everyone from the chapel where you belong, all kind of rushed over, you know, for this sign that we all, as a community, we're going to make this journey together, you know, with the cross on our foreheads. And it was pretty intense, you know, mm-hmm. when I was 18 years old. Mm-hmm. I, I think I, there, was, there was a lot of talk about um, giving up these things and those things, and, uh, and I think I probably went overboard. Ah. Probably gave up every, <laughs> every, everything, you know, because I wanted to do it right. right. I, I, and right. I wanted, you know, whatever the, whatever the effect of uh, the prayer, fasting, and almsgiving is, I wanted, I wanted to have that effect when Christmas, when Easter came around. Yeah. And uh, so I'm sure I overdid it, as new persons in, in the community often do. That has changed over time. Uh, it is still a time for me when I, simplify my life or I attempt to do so. Mm. It's a time, for example, when I, I go through my closets and I and I any clothes that I haven't worn over the last year I'd simply give away. You yeah. know? Um and uh, and I try to simplify other things too. I, I try not to give up so much because I don't like my life changing a lot because yeah. it because it hasn't worked over time. You know, I'm I find myself bothered by by these things more than kind of giving myself over to to something and um, um, but yeah I mean simplifying as the church itself is simplified and the liturgy is simplified I, yeah. I try to simplify my own living and I um, in various ways I do a lot more reading than mm. Lent Have you ever made any Lenten changes that uh, you, you kept on practicing you know, that you didn't suddenly revert to during Easter but sort of became uh Part of part of your lifestyle. Simplicity is 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 one that, that I early on practice, and then I, I and it's still a part of my life. I mean, it may not look like it on the outside when people see me, but I but there's a, I don't like I don't particularly like gathering things and stuff. You know, I tend to have a lot of things and stuff. I don't know why, but I. Uh, but the sense of being done with all those things is something that I've tried to cultivate over, over the years. You know, mm-hmm. I, I could just as well do without it. Yeah. Um, so that has, that has continued. Uh, there's, I, I, there have been times when uh, you know, I've given up something like wine. <laughs> you know, during Lent. That was a mistake. <laughs> um, and so I remember my buddies and I, we were studying some in, in Washington many, many years ago, and we all decided to give up red wine for Lent. But uh, we realized that it, it is such a part of your life, yeah. you know, at dinner and things like that, that 
uh, we were making excuses for you know people's birthdays. Okay, sure. that's a celebration. Uh, of course, there's a feast of uh, the Annunciation and Saint Joseph's um, um, feast day, and we were f- looking for feasts yes. to have red wine. So it didn't work. Do you know what I mean? Um, well, you know, on the contrary, <laughs> maybe it did. I mean, that that in itself is, um, you know, to to simplify so that you look for feasts ah, and so that right. every you know, it's because not just kind of an everyday thing. Right, it's because you made this festive. rule, you uh, you were looking for these occasions. Um, my uh, sponsor, when I came into the church, she was this ninety-year-old widow who um, taught me how to play card games and drink Manhattans, and a really wonderful woman. But we had read a book, and it encouraged people to to fast. Uh, on bread and water during Wednesdays and Fridays. And so we decided to do this together. And we did the same thing, you know, because it's it's kind of more rigorous than I think uh, I had experienced to fast. But anytime there was an excuse, because I would eat breakfast with her every morning, we'd go to mass and come back to her house and um, we'd eat breakfast. But on these days, you know, she'd just make some toast and we'd eat plain toast. But anytime there was a reason to have eggs or to have anything, <laughs> you know, it could be a feast day, you know, right. I, I look in the, the, uh, Ordo <laughs> and I see that it's the feast of some obscure saint. And I say, Hey, it's a feast day. We need to, and her eyes would brighten. And there was, there was a real, I mean, it was, it was funny, you right. know, there's a brightness to it. Um, but in some ways I think that taught me how to feast, how to mm. find reasons, mm. um, to enjoy the things of the world, um, and and to to use these rules and these these fasts as a way to enhance life and not just to sort of um, uh, be down, right. you know, to, right. to give up things. But it taught me how to actually see them in some ways. How do you want to feel, and how do you think how do you think people should feel uh, after this forty day fast? I mean, you've talked about simplifying. What's what's the purpose? of all of this in your mind of, of taking on these practices as we head towards the triduum? I think the purpose of it, of all of these practices, uh, is, uh, is to, is to be emptied. Mm. Um, so that you ask, you know, how should you feel? But I, I think, it, you know, our business is to, uh, to get rid of all the furniture in the room, mm-hmm. and then the spirit will replace that with, with whatever the gift is that the spirit wishes to give, and you can't know what that is, mm-hmm. you know, when when Easter comes around. That's why it is such a joyous occasion. You, I, I'm 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 convinced that we don't even know what we need. Ah. Do you know? Uh, so we don't know what will make us happy. We don't know what will make us rejoice, but. The, uh, the practices of Lent are about emptying the room and then allowing the spirit to, to refurnish it. Mm. And then when we see what, what it has done in us, then we rejoice. You know, uh, I, I just, I, when I see the Paschal candle lit in the middle of the church, it, it, uh, it just something in me just kind of tingles. You know? mm-hmm. um, it's been there well, in every church for thousands of years, but uh, but it's always new, and it's always a new day, mm. and something something has changed in me that gives me joy. Yeah, 
I don't know that I could articulate it now, but it's something that I needed and that I didn't know I needed. Yeah. Um, uh, do you tend to receive this, you know, right when Lent ends on Holy Thursday or sometime during the Easter season? When does sort of the fruit of, it's, of penance? For me, it's usually Good Friday. Yeah. Uh, because again, in the, all that simplicity and silence, uh, something happens. I love that liturgy. Mm -hmm. You know, Holy Thursdays, you know, running around and washing people's feet. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of a nice thing. And uh, but it, it, but there's so much going on there. Right. As we begin the triduum, uh, but Good Friday, you know, we come in in silence. There's no let us pray. You know, um, the vestments are red. Um, very little is said. Mm. And in that silence, I, 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 um, that's when it begins for me, you know. There's, there's an interesting movement there where we go throughout the, the Lenten season simplifying, uh, fasting, praying, giving away, you know, what we have to give away. And then, you know, Lent ends, but Holy Thursday is a feast. I mean, it really is. Um, glory and everything. Yes, the right. glory of the foot washing. I mean, it's really a, a celebration of everything that the community is meant to be. And it's like we pour all of the energy we have left, which is not a lot because we've been fasting for 40 days. Uh, we pour it all into that feast. And then the next day, we're dead. Right. right? We, right. We, we don't have anything left. We're wrung out. Um, and the liturgy kind of imitates that. I mean, it, it mimics it. it you... Uh, you know, all the silence, you know, and it's just silent. Right, right. Of course, the gospel's read, the passion's read. Um, and then we gather on Holy Saturday and light a fire, and, you know, we kind of bring our empty selves. Um, for me, you know, that light spreading through the church and the ringing of the bells and the gloria and then the proclamation of the gospel that's always, I mean, it's miraculous in some ways. Do you know, the, we, I mentioned the triduum earlier. I don't know how many people realize, surely most people do, that those three days really aren't, you can't really separate them. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, in the church's mind, they are one celebration that begins with Holy Thursday uh, when Lent officially ends with that, that celebration. And, uh, and then what you have over the course of those three days uh, are kind of up the ups and downs of, of life and liturgy, you know? Right. Uh, I think it's important to feel it, you know, uh, not, again, not to be, to be so, um, um, I mean, it, I, I think it's important to be open to, uh, to the music and to the silence and to mm -hmm. all of it and to allow the spirit to continue to, sweep out kind of the last remnants of whatever remains within yeah. so that the resurrection can, can fill us, you know. Um, I think that's one of, you know, one of the fruits of this kind of simplicity is it lets us enter into these three days, which as you say, are, are one celebration of kind of the whole mystery right. of salvation, yes. uh, which is the mystery of our salvation. But it, it helps us to create space and to anticipate God's activity, but we don't know what form that will take. There may be years when 
were filled with a strange joy on Good Friday of all times. And that, you know, that's a real thing. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are things to be joyful about. Or a strange sense of melancholy on Holy Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, there are all kinds of shifts and changes that can happen when we're not so full of other thoughts and other feelings and we can kind of be open to what's going on. And even the liturgy itself, I mean, Holy Thursday opens with an opening prayer, but then it just stops, right? It, it doesn't close. We're not dismissed. No, right. Um, and then Good Friday opens with you face down on the floor and right. an opening prayer. It's pretty uh, stark. Right, right, right. But the day just sort of, you know, the liturgy just pause for us to go and do life for a while, and then we come back the next day and pick up where we left off. Right. Um, if anyone listening has never participated in all three all three of these liturgies which again are one big liturgy uh there's nothing like it there's nothing like Indeed. it in our tradition yeah. and we um for us as catholics really easter you can't celebrate easter sunday without without the rest of it you know somehow right. whether it whether you're in your home you know doing evening prayer on thursday or something right. even if you can't get to the liturgy but for us, it is about the suffering, death, and resurrection, mm. and that's the Paschal mystery. And you don't separate those things. And you, it's hard to appreciate kind of the joy of all that happens on Easter if we haven't died on Friday, Good Friday, right. or even if we haven't been there on Thursday night when he realizes that he's being going to be abandoned by all of his friends, you know, and uh, and. Uh, no, it's it's the whole story. Uh, During the uh, liturgical reforms after the Second Vatican Council, as I understand it, in the preconciliar calendar, there was Palm Sunday. And then following Palm Sunday was Passion Sunday. So on Palm Sunday, you read about Jesus' triumphal entry. Mm-hmm. Then Passion Sunday, you hear the words of the Passion. And then the following Sunday would be Easter. But when they reformed the the liturgical calendar, they didn't want... To have Passion Sunday anymore, they wanted Good Friday to be to be that. They also didn't want to make Good Friday a Holy Day of Obligation, so they ran into this strange problem where you could, if you were just going to you know the days you had to, you'd go to Palm Sunday, hear that Jesus went to Jerusalem, then you'd show up the next Sunday, he's and he's raised from the dead. But you, so that is why we have two gospel readings for the Palm Sunday of our Lord's Passion, which <laughs> is its strange full name, um, so that we wouldn't have people who kind of showed up and, and missed the uh, the middle part, the important right, middle right. part, um, and why there's sort of a, a repetition. If you go on Palm Sunday, you hear you know, the reading of the Passion, and then you'll hear another one, uh, the Passion of John on Good Friday. And on, on, uh, on Palm Sunday, so the first gospel is the one where they prepare the room, in the upper, right? Mm-hmm. You know, doing the procession, right. go and prepare this place. Right. Right. Is that right? I, I oh, no, 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 it's, it's, his, no, it's the one where, where, he, where he enters the, yeah. <laughs> yeah, where he enters yeah. the city. So right, you can right. still miss right. Thursday. You know, right, you can still that's miss, right, right. He's the, um, which is why, you know, even though these days are not required, uh-huh. uh, that makes them even more important in some ways um, to attend or to participate in some way. If you can't make it to Mass, read the readings, right, you know, right. think about right. these things. Uh, if someone comes to you and says, you know, Father, I'm having a hard time deciding what to give up for Lent. <laughs> What, what advice would you give them? Um, I'm thinking especially for uh, Catholics who are just initiated, you know, this past January, or those who are in the RCIA who are going through Lent for the first time, or just maybe someone who 
wants to take it a bit more seriously uh, and doesn't really know where to start? The things that we, you know, the practices that we engage in during Lent, um, as I said earlier, are, are intended to help us to let go, uh, to, um, to empty the room of, of our hearts, our lives, our minds, to allow the spirit then to fill it. So whatever it is that we, that we give up, uh, it needs to be, I mean, I need to be aware of what it is that, that's, that's cluttering my, my house, my, my life, as it were. Um, I wouldn't bite off too much, mm. you know, whatever, you know, if it's, if it's, um, um, you know, if it, if you're talking about giving up something and, you know, and, and it's, um, uh, attention to, um, to social media or to television or whatever it is that, that controls people's lives, I would limit it, you know, because, uh, because again, as you said earlier, it's probably something that you, it's probably a practice that you at least want to be a part of your life mm. as you move forward, mm -hmm. you know, after Easter. Because if, if, it's, if it's opening you now, if it's, if it's emptying the space now that is your, you're putting this aside, uh, then it will continue to do so to the extent that you continue something on the practice. So, so not something huge, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it doesn't take big things. We're, we're not... As I've said so often during Lent, we're, we're not, Lent isn't the time to fix ourselves. Oh. It's not, you know. Um, that's not what we do, these things. Uh, the Spirit fixes us. Yes. If there's something, and like I said earlier too, we're not even aware what needs to be fixed. You know, we think we are. We think we know, but we don't really. Yeah. Uh, so I'd say that. But the other thing I'd, I'd say, consider... Um, one of the staff members, what she does, uh, I don't know if it's during Lent or maybe it's the beginning of the year, but I think it's appropriate at Lent as well, is to um, take a phrase or word and throughout the season use it, the word, to empty your life. Hmm. So, um, Can you give an example? Yeah, so yeah. for example, if you... If you if you tend to procrastinate in doing things or in whatever it happens to be, so the word now, ah. you know, uh, so throughout the season, now. So you, if there are conversations that need to be had with people, you know, with whom you're estranged or that you put off, but, but a word like that can move you mm -hmm. to do something over the course of these, how many days there are, Lent, uh, to act. You know, yeah. So we have fasting, praying, and almsgiving, uh, and in them, this action, you know, if it's now, can fall in all those categories. Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it is a prayer to call up someone and say, you know, I've been thinking about the conversation that we had then, or whatever, you know, or. Or connecting with with anyone with whom you know, our relationship our relationship is broken, uh, all, that's prayer. It's almsgiving and it is fasting. All of it. Yes. Um, um, yeah. Uh, I'm thinking. A couple of minutes ago, we were talking about simplifying in order to sort of be more attentive to what the spirit will do. It seems like all of these practices 
are fundamentally about what we're paying attention to. Um, mm. You know, if we're using a word like now, it means paying attention to what is happening now and right. not then or in the future. Um, if we're giving something up, it's so that we can either pay attention to what its absence does within us, mm-hmm. um, what's there. But, you know, all these things, I think, the word Lent comes from the old English word for springtime, you know, and, and so I like to think about that because at least I, I think Lenten practice should make us lighter and brighter, you know, um, not dour and sad. And I think there's something about that in the uh, the, the readings for, for Ash Wednesday, um, that if we find that we've taken on something that makes us grumpy or uh, that makes life harder, maybe we're not really paying attention to what we need. Right. And, and and I would have people remember that these these mortifications, these practices that we take on during Lent, to fail at them is not sin. Mm. You know, people come into reconciliation. You know, I, I forgot, you know, I I had given up chocolate and I ate a cho- you know a piece of chocolate on Thursday. That's not confessional matter. You know. Yeah. you I mean, you're you're you're. It's just not. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. So so what should I do if I you, you know, start again. You start again. Right. I mean, um, and then next year, don't give up chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, you know, I would recommend, there is a book that I would recommend, and it is um, a little bit of a book called Poverty of Spirit. Hmm. It's, I guess it can be a little dense, um, but this philosopher, theologian, uh, Johannes Metz, many years ago, wrote a little book called Poverty of Spirit, which from time to time, I, re- I refer to. And the main, he starts with the, 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 the desert experience of Jesus. But the main uh, focus of the book is the poverty that comes with being human and how we reject that. You know? mm. uh, a reading of it very slowly and carefully over, over Lent, I think might help us to embrace what it means to be human and not to be ashamed of it, you know. Yeah. I, uh, I think if we can come to that, come, if we can get a better grasp of that by, you know, by Holy Week that I'm I'm human and uh, and it's all right, and we I can rejoice in that, even mm. with my sins and my my faults and mm. all my weaknesses. I think that's a reason to I mean, you know, I to say to sing Alleluia, you yeah. know, when we have gone without an Alleluia all end. Um, You'll be uh, speaking on this theme. Yes. Soon. So uh, toward the end of the month, I think. Yes. Uh, there are a couple of nights. Uh, the parish will have a little um, r- retreat, mostly on the the focus is the Beatitudes. But I've always thought that the Beatitudes, and uh, especially the very first of them, um, in Matthew's Gospel, anyway, um, the blessed are the poor in spirit is kind of a is it goes to the heart of the matter, and all those other beatitudes are are about poverty, mm. and poverty, and to be poor is what it means to be human. To be human is what is to be poor, and uh, so we'll talk a little about you know, what it means to be human, uh, fully human. Um, and that is coming up February twenty seventh, twenty eighth, I think. February twenty seventh, twenty eighth. It's a Monday and a Tuesday, Tuesday. evening, right. and uh, anyone anyone can come. It's mostly okay. in the parish, but yeah. Okay. Very good. Uh, well, thanks for, for chatting today. Absolutely. And, uh, Anytime. 
Hope you have a blessed Lent. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Chat CTK, a new podcast exploring life and faith at Christ the King Catholic Church. Future episodes will feature interviews with CTK parishioners, staff, and clergy about their experiences of God, Catholicism, and faith in everyday life. Our gratitude to parishioner Brian Steinberg for graciously using his time to edit and process this podcast. You can find new episodes at our website, ctk.org slash chatctk, or you can subscribe to the podcast using Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app.